a Podcast One production. Hello and welcome to Just The Gist, the podcast where Rosie Waterland, eyebrows, eyebrows, gives you <laughs> just the gist of what you need to know. And here with her, as every week, is her lovely co-host, Jacob Stanley. <laughs> <laughs> says our voices are different. <laughs> I can barely tell us apart. <laughs> All right, let's go. <laughs> Bachelorette, week three. Oh, my God, this show. Um, <laughs> we open with the boys uh, sitting in the polygamy pr- prison, just kind of chatting. Mm. And whenever you open the episode with the contestants just sitting in the house chatting, mm. you know it's because... Not a lot's going to happen in this episode and they're filling time because, like, if interesting shit was going to happen, they'd just get to it quick smart. Uh-huh. So when you open on the dudes just sitting around pontificating about, like, what life is like being in the mansion, yeah. it's because not a lot of stuff's going on. Do the boys um, ever eat magnums? No, they That's haven't so far. Thing. Right. Oh, sexist. So outrageous. Somebody online um, in the last week said, we need to have a podcast where Rosie just um, does just the gist on the term gender dynamics because she says it so much. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. I have a lot to say about gender dynamics, (laughs) particularly in the Bachelor franchise. The boys deserve magnums too. Starting with why the boys don't sit around eating magnum ice cream. Um, but so basically we just open with the boys chatting and Jamie, the weird stage five clinger, he, um, just has weird dead eyes. And whenever he does his talking heads, he just kind of looks into the camera and talks about how much he loves Angie and deserves Angie and how much like he and Angie are meant to be together, whether or not Angie wants it or not, he knows that it's right. And him Mm. and Angie, him and Angie, him, it's a bit creepy. Um, and then... There's one, there's only one guy in the entire house that I think is kind of cute and his name is Alex and he doesn't really say much, but he always looks, he always has cool clothes on and he always like, whenever they cut to him, he says something kind of funny and he has Mm -hmm. a really cute face. He has like brown hair and brown eyes, which is like my thing. Um, And so they sort of show him for a second and then he disappears And that's kind of it. And Mm. that's when I was like, well, this is legit, like, the longest, most pointless opening section they've ever done, Mm. which makes me realise it's obvious that they're totally filling time Mm -hmm. and they're, like, low on budget and they're spending the first 15 minutes of the episode just in the house with the guys sitting in the living room because what else can we put in? (laughs) Is that why this season is shorter than The Bachelor? Is it shorter? Well, it is. I mean, from what I've noticed uh, reading today, um, it seems like after this week there's only another two weeks to go. Mm-hmm. The Bachelorette is always traditionally shorter than The Bachelor. Um, I'm not sure why, to be honest. Because she rejects Gen- more gender of Gender dynamics. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> um but yes, uh, yeah, it is shorter, and this season seems particularly short. Not that I'm complaining, because you and I would very much like to get on to talking about other things. Mm-hmm. But um, it seems like, yeah, uh, there's only going to be two more weeks after this, which would make the whole Bachelorette season five weeks altogether. Because uh-huh. this is week three. 
Yeah. And so then if there's next week and the week after, that's it. She's got to be culling, what, like a dozen every episode? Well, she culls three at the end of Wednesday night, so we'll get to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're clearly filling time with boring stuff, like mm-hmm. even giving the boring guy that I think is cute time on air, which normally they never do. So, <laughs> yeah. um, Group date, group date. Mm-hmm. Tonight's group date is at a place that you and I have been to quite a few times. It's at the Sydney Comedy Store. Ah. And we all know that Angie wants a funny guy. Yeah. And she says that all the time. She's a goof and she wants a funny guy. And I get it because I've literally dumped guys because they're not funny, right? Like I've literally, like there's been times when I've been like, maybe I'll go against type for once. Mm. And like maybe he's not that funny, but like maybe he has other qualities and Maybe I should just see, like, what it's like to be with someone who doesn't make me laugh. And then three weeks later, I'm like, no, ew. Like, (laughs) I just, him not being funny makes me think his penis is disgusting. You know what I mean? It just, like, messes with your head. So I get it. She wants someone funny. And you've also told me to dump people that you didn't think were funny. Uh, Excusez-moi. I'm grateful. We shan't (laughs) say his name, but we both know who we're talking about. Your boyfriend of... Quite a long period of time who every time we hung out, I said, Jacob, he (laughs) is not funny. (laughs) Not only was he not funny, like it's okay to not be funny, I guess, if you kind of just blend into the background Mm. and you're like, whatever. But that guy you dated, not only was he not funny, but he really thought he was funny. Yeah. So he would constantly be telling jokes and constantly be dropping Mm one-liners. And they were so cringe. Yeah. I don't know how your penis didn't just shrivel up every time you had to bone him because if I heard one-liners like that from someone, <laughs> uh, my vag would just disappear into itself. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know how you did it for that as long as you did. Oh, yeah. It's a miracle, isn't it? Um, how did you do it for as long as you did? Uh, with my eyes closed. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I suspect it. Yeah. Okay, so where were we? <laughs> All right, they're at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. Angie wants a funny guy. Mm-hmm. So the date is, it's a group date, and the date is that each of the guys she's brought on the date have to get up and do a stand-up routine. Oh, no. Not just in front of Angie, oh. but that night oh, no. when the whole crowd comes to the comedy store which is, I will explain to people who don't live in Sydney, the Comedy Store is like quite a prominent comedy club here that has seating for, what, a few hundred? Yeah, at least. Yeah, we've been there a bunch of times and, um, and you know, you go there to see like comedians or whatever and, mm. and it's a huge crowd. And so basically they have to get up that night and each do a three or four minute stand-up set. Oh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which I love because I swear to God, there's nothing I love more than watching people humiliate themselves on national television. This is why I was devastated when, oh God, and this makes me a monster. There was a show a couple of years ago um, called, uh, I can't remember exactly what it was called, but it was hosted by Chrissy Swan and it was called like the National Spelling Bee. And it was with like 10 year olds who were in like a National Spelling Bee. And I swear to God, I just watched it. To watch them fail and burst into tears. 
<laughs> and I remember messaging Chrissy at the time because we're friends and I was like, <sighs> and she she's just so lovely and supportive yeah. and she'd be like, oh, all the kids were so amazing and they were all so supportive of each other and they were all such good sports. And I messaged her and I was like, that's all lovely, but you do know I'm only watching to see them fail and burst into tears. <laughs> And that was 10-year-old children. So imagine my pleasure this evening to see, what, eight, ten, I don't even know how many of them, straight, white, mediocre males forced Mm. to get up on stage at a comedy club and do shitty stand-up and have crickets play in the background. Oh, that shit makes my eyes water like someone squeezed a lemon in them and I don't Mm. think I could watch that. Oh, but it was so good though. (laughs) Does Frothier get up there and do it? He does. Oh, Oh, and Frothier is... Okay, okay. So, um, (laughs) Tim with two M's, that's Frothier. Let's just start calling him Frothier. Uh Frothier um, immediately is like, oh, my God, this date was designed for me and there is more pressure on me than anyone because I'm clearly the funniest guy in the house and so, like, there is pressure on me to nail this date because I'm the funny one and this is a date about being funny. So, oh, my gosh, I'm really stressed because I have to be really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, Harley Breen is there. He's um, a very, very funny, talented Australian stand-up comedian um, and his job is to kind of just be there and uh, help the guys come up with their material and and then when they cut to him in Talking Heads, talk about how he's super nervous and embarrassed because they're all going to be terrible and bomb. <laughs> so he's really funny. Um, they also film about three minutes of him doing stand-up about The Bachelorette because I'm pretty sure they're desperate to fill time. Mm. Um, and oh, one of his funny jokes, oh, I'm not going to do it justice, but one of his funniest jokes was, oh, you know, the bachelorette's um, interesting because they make up all these words. So there are terms you've never heard before when you're watching a show like this, like rose ceremony and, um, and you know, um, uh, elimination date and Osher Ginsburg. <laughs> it was such a good joke. It was really good quality. I love it. Harley Breen is amazing. So anyway, it's his job to just be there and help all the guys come up, uh, come up with material. Mm. Um, he meets uh, with each of them and it's kind of the whole point of it is just to see who's really nervous and who's really arrogant so that you know who to focus on when you're watching their stand-up mm. and who to like root for and who to hate because mm. they're in over their heads. And um, they cut to a talking head with Harley and they go, oh, what do you think of Tim Frothier? Yeah. Um, and they go, what do you think of him? And he goes, I haven't stopped thinking about him. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> he goes, he goes, I do think Tim will be funny. I just don't think he'll know why he's funny. <laughs> it's so awesome having like an actually funny guy on the show. Yeah. You're like, oh, wait, guys can be intelligent and funny and awesome and not just Instagram models and pinger mm-hmm. desperados. Um, so, Wait, what is the brief they got? The brief was just prepare a stand-up routine and you're performing tonight. About anything for yeah. however long you want it to go for. Yeah. Okay. Oh. That was it. <laughs> okay, so This is going to be really hard to listen to, isn't it? <laughs> cut to the stand-up night. <laughs> 
look, they all do relatively okay. I would say that's because the crowd was filled with people who were specifically there to see Bachelorette contestants do stand-up material. Mm -hmm. So they were pretty generous with their laughs. Mm -hmm. Um, Alex, the only guy who I think is cute and left, he's really funny. He gets up and just says some funny shit. He's basically incredibly self-deprecating, which is really hilarious. Mm -hmm. Um, And then one guy who bombs badly, um, he's a flight attendant. Mm -hmm. And so he decides that he'll make all his material like he's doing um, the flight safety announcement at Mm -hmm. the start of a flight. So he gets up and he goes, hi, welcome aboard, bachelorette. And then he forgets what he's saying. (laughs) And then everyone's like, oh. And then he kind of like regroups and he goes, hi, welcome aboard, bachelorette airlines. And then there's this super awkward pause. And then he goes, I forgot the rest of the joke this and he walks <laughs> so he's out he's terrible <laughs> and then there's this one guy who all day was talking about how terrified he was of doing it and how shy he is and how he could never do it so he's the guy that you're kind of focusing on who's going to bomb in a major way and you're going to have major what's the German word schadenfreude um, and he gets up and he just says I mean, all power to him. He knew it wasn't funny, so he just went for his other strengths. He goes, so I once had someone tell me that if you're public speaking and you get nervous, you should picture everyone naked. And then he goes, I figured I'd just picture myself naked. And then he just took off his top and he took (laughs) off his pants and he stood there in his undies and he had a nutso body. And then he goes... It didn't work, and he walked off stage. <laughs> I was like, look, you knew you weren't funny, but you knew you had amazing abs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I thought that was quite smart. And maybe it's just the way you described it, but that's that's funny. Well, <laughs> the way it was, I'm hearing it now. It was funny, but more at his expense rather than because he was clever. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and also had an amazing bod. Mm. Um, and then Kieran, the guy we love from Manchester, <laughs> he gets up and <laughs> I still haven't looked up how to do that. <laughs> <laughs> for the finale. Man, man, yeah. Okay. I hereby declare that for the finale... <laughs> I will have researched how to do a Manchester accent and I will do a flawless, let's say, four-sentence monologue. Uh And you have to do it too and let's compare them and see who's the winner. Okay, I'm pretty sure all we'll have to do is watch the full Monty. (laughs) Prepare four sentences in Manchesterian. Okay. Okay? Deal. Let's do it. Game on. Um, Kieran uh, from Manchester, he gets up and he is just really effing funny. He um, just tells a story. He tells the story about how the week before he got naked at the life drawing class mm-hmm. and he just talks about how he volunteered for it and just he just has a natural affinity for storytelling. So yeah. he's not trying too hard. He just, you know, gets up and tells his story and he's really funny and there's quite a funny punchline at the end and he's great. He's really good at it. Mm. Um, and then finally we have Frothia, mm-hmm. Tim with two M's, who has spent the entire date talking about he is the funniest person in the house, possibly the world. <laughs> and so there's a lot of pressure on him to be the funniest person on this date and in this challenge. Mm. And he gets up 
and um, tells a joke. He tells a single joke. Mm. It's like quite an extended joke. It's a joke with a narrative. And it's like, it's fine. People laugh. But he stole the joke. Like, it's not his material. So he gets up and tells what I'm sure is a joke that is in every single, like, the 50 top jokes your creepy uncle tells at Christmas joke books. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he yeah. tells this dirty joke and the way he makes it work is he says, oh, you know, I'm stuck in the bachelor house and and so, you know, people are on your mind all the time. So I had this dream and in my dream and, and then he um, tells the joke but using people from like Angie and some other guys from the house as the main players in the joke. Uh-huh. And it's just like funny, but yeah. it's not, he stole, it's lazy. just a joke from a joke book. Right. Yeah, lazy. Mm-hmm. Whereas Kieran got up and just told a real story from his life and it was hilarious Enjoyable. because he's charming and awesome. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So Tim, I don't know, I'm kind of off Tim because, I mean, who gets up and to do stand-up and steals material from a joke book? The type of guy who says he froths you. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like, were your expectations much higher than that? Not really, mm-hmm. not really. And during the whole joke, he did still look like he was despo for his next pinger at 3am in a club. So <laughs> he's still just classic Tim. Tim, mm. classic frothier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so the best person was Kieran from Manchester, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though she's picked him for single time before, she picks him again because he's great and he was the best. Mm-hmm. Um, and they go to a magic sex couch and he just continues to be awesome. So she talks about how she uh, really needs to date someone progressive because mm-hmm. most of her friends are from the queer community and her brother is gay. Um, and so, you know, she could never date someone who wasn't okay with being around people and a lifestyles like that. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty much just like same TBH. Like I couldn't date someone who wasn't okay with that either. And then he just starts talking about how he's not a traditionally masculine guy. Like he's mm-hmm. not, he doesn't have traits that would be considered traditionally masculine because I'm very careful of just saying masculine because I think that masculinity is now on quite a wide spectrum in which you you can't really say that something is masculine and something isn't because the definition of what masculinity is 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 changing. Mm-hmm. Um, but he says, you know, according to traditional masculine tropes, I don't have any of those. And um, he says, you know, if you want to go out with someone who knows how to change a tire, that's not me. <laughs> and to be honest... If you did ask me to change a tire, I would probably say to you, I need you to do it because I just got my nails done. <laughs> like he actually says that to her. And it's so great. And I wish more men understood this, that it is actually so sexy to see him just totally own that part of himself. Like mm-hmm. I think so many men have been raised in this toxic way where they worry about doing just even the tiniest thing that is slightly effeminate because they're like, oh, no homo, no homo, no thanks. But that actually has the opposite effect of what they're intending because, like, they do that because they worry it will affect their chances to F girls. But girls actually just want to get with dudes who completely embrace who they are 
and who are confident enough to embrace even the more feminine parts of themselves. Yeah. And, like, he does that. And to me, it makes him, like, sexy as F. Like, I find Kieran so sexy and appealing. And she does too, I think. Yeah. It's interesting. He sounds like he's completely secure in who he is. To be honest, when he first started describing him a couple of weeks ago, I thought he sounded like a A textbook narcissist. (laughs) And someone who's so obsessed with the way that they look and the way that they dress is such a turn off to me. But the fact that he's just, he's doing it in a way that's very true to him and he's very comfortable in that seems to actually be really attractive. And the fact that he doesn't seem to take himself seriously at all. He doesn't. He cares about how he looks. And that's okay. That can be a hobby, sure. Um, but he doesn't take it too seriously. He's able to laugh at himself. So that's hot. But I got to tell you, I changed a car tire once and it felt really satisfying because <laughs> I never in a million years thought that I'd be able to do it. But I was stuck on the side of a highway in the middle of Hawaii by myself and I took photos to prove it. And even still, then no one believed me. That was such an explainer brag. Oh, I was stuck on the side of the highway. In Hawaii. (laughs) So I was driving on the wrong side of the road, which I was already really scared about. And then I blew a tire and I'm in a foreign country and I'm not around anyone else. And I actually cannot believe that you've changed. (laughs) I have the photos. This is the first I've heard of this. (laughs) I mean, you know that I'm 33 and I don't even have my L's. So I don't even understand like. Even in the in the realm of what you're talking about, Which I don't even understand. Which part of the car is the tire? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Which part of the Uber picks me up? That's all I understand. <laughs> what seat do I sit in? <laughs> well, oh, well done. Thanks. I'm impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Still waiting to get my badge or medal or something. Oh, shall I make you a badge? Could you? I'll make you a badge. <laughs> when did when did this happen? Oh, 2017. I can't believe yeah. I didn't know, I know and we it. didn't celebrate. I can't believe I didn't advertise it more loudly. I was genuinely very proud. Jacob, there's a badge coming your way. Thanks, Let doll. me tell you. Mm-hmm. So Kieran's amazing, and he just is himself unapologetically, um, which I find incredibly attractive, mm. um, and she does too. She gives him a rose, they kiss, and um, they both say it's a really good kiss in mm. their separate talking heads. Um, then back at the house, um, the next day, all the dudes are hassling him about whether or not they made out. They were like, you've spent two alone times with her now. Like, did you kiss her? And he says, no, we didn't kiss. And they all start like giving him shit going, how could you have spent all this time with her and you haven't sealed the deal? Mm. Like you haven't sealed the deal yet. Like what's wrong with you? Like she mustn't like you. And like under all that kind of toxic masculine pressure, he doesn't give in. He just goes, no, we didn't kiss. And he doesn't say anything else about it because Mm. he's like, and he says in a talking head, it's none of their business. I'm not going to like gossip about, you know, and reveal something that she did Yeah, because that's a bit shitty. And he doesn't tell them even though they're all giving him shit, which is just another reason to love him so much. He probably knows as well. It's got to be driving them crazy that they know he's lying, but they know they can't crack him. <laughs> That's so and true. And the fact that he's also not securing, uh, succumbing to like a masculine peer pressure, like boy group sort of boy talk expectations. So that's another thing that's got to be frying their brains. Did you ever get stuck in situations like that 
I feel like you probably didn't because all your friends in high school were girls. But like when you were, you know, young and dudes were talking about dude things and you were just like, I don't care about this unless we're talking about your penises, which I would like to see. Um, (laughs) Did you ever get stuck in situations where you were like, I feel like I need to take part in this conversation, even though it's not really my thing? No. (laughs) (laughs) I knew you would say that. (laughs) Because literally I've known you since you were, what, 19? Yeah. And before that, I think your friends were women from the time you were about seven. Oh, I've got great guy (laughs) friends. They were just never jerks. Yeah. None of them were ever misogynistic, so no. You just picked good qual. Yeah, well. You picked good qual. That's good, though. (laughs) That's nice. The guys who were happy to be friends with a gay boy, like they were secure enough in themselves that they were happy to be friends with a gay boy in high school, like back in the late 90s, that was actually surprisingly rare. Anybody who isn't part of the queer community or at least queer community adjacent is probably just a shit person, TBH. (laughs) Because we're just all the best. Are we not? (laughs) Challenge anyone to disprove that theory. I challenge any... Come at me on Facebook, basic Susans. Um... Yeah, so he won't tell them anything. And Mm. then um, Jamie is super jealous and he's still despo for a single day. And he's like, and he has, I can't, oh God, this is a podcast, so I can't really show you, but I'm a brilliant actress. So if you could see, you would understand. Um, He has this thing where he has dead eyes and I don't really know how to describe it, but he look whenever he's doing a talking head, he kind of looks into the camera and I'm going to look at you. Okay, so mm-hmm. I'm looking at you, right? Mm-hmm. And he does this thing where like he says really emotional, intense things, but you can tell there's nothing behind it. Yeah. Like except intense, scary feelings that will probably end with him in prison for stalking. Mm. So like he kind of is just like a single date at this point is all I think about. A single date is all I want. I go to bed thinking about a single date. I wake up thinking about a single date. A single date would literally be the best thing that has ever happened to me in my life right now. All I need with Angie is a single date. Oh. I know. Oh, So like just sort of looking down at the skirting boards, not making eye contact with people, just... Sort of just saying very intense like things. Unaware that there are actually other people around him. Just saying very intense Norman Bates esque things about what he pictures their relationship to be, but which it is clearly not. Mm. <laughs> because literally he had some alone time with her on the very first night because he turned up, you know, dressed as a fireman holding a puppy. So I think <laughs> she just really wanted to see the puppy. Yeah. Um, and since then he's had no time with her really, Mm. but he's like scary obsessed, which I know that the producers would love. The producers would be like, this guy is creepy to the max Mm -hmm. and he's obsessed with her. Let's get him on camera as much as we possibly can. Um, and he also doesn't seem very smart. Uh So like, um, (laughs) 
I think that they are manipulating him in a way that he does not realise at all. And I think that he's the kind of guy that if they said to him, oh, she really likes you, we can tell, Hmm. you should say X, Y, Z, you should do X, Y, Z, he'd be like, really? Okay. Like, you know what I mean? He just is the most malleable, best possible reality TV contestant you could hope for. Uh Uh-huh. Um, and then another guy, they cut to another guy in a talking head who I don't even know who he is, but he says, Jamie's a little obsessed. And he goes, literally last night at about midnight, we were all up and he'd gone to bed a few hours before and he suddenly woke up and rushed out of his room and was like, I need to start getting ready. Is it the morning? I need to get ready. I could get asked on a single date today. And they were all like, dude, it's quarter past midnight. Oh. And he was like, oh, okay, I should go back to bed. <laughs> like oh. he literally woke up at midnight r- to get ready oh. to see her. Like uh, that's how messed up he is. Do we feel sorry for him? Like is he okay? I would feel sorry for him if he didn't come across as incredibly toxic and possessive uh. in his um, ideas about women. Right. Which I think he is. Okay. So, anyway. <laughs> All of a sudden, they start playing very dramatic music, so you know something intense is going to happen. Uh-huh. And um, and all the guys start talking about how Ryan, the dog guy, you know, the intruder with the dogs, uh, yeah. who um, yeah. I can't work out what his job is, except he's on Instagram looking hot with muscles and dogs. Uh-huh. Um, they all start talking about how it's really unfair that he's in the house because him and Angie messaged on Instagram before and and so that's unfair and they're playing this dramatic music and you're like, well, obviously he's going to get the single date because mm-hmm. they're like setting this up big time and then he gets the single date and pisses everyone off. Mm-hmm. And by the way, Dino, one of our producers, pointed out to me today that I was saying last week that I didn't know what his job was and I researched him on Instagram and all I could see is that he calls himself an Instagram influencer and that he's on The Bachelorette. Yeah. And that there's lots of photos of him with dogs advocating for dogs. And I'm like, well, who doesn't advocate for dogs? <laughs> mm. So what is your job? Mm. But when he comes up on screen, every time a contestant comes up on screen in a talking head, beneath them is their occupation and their age. Uh-huh. So it's like, there he is, and it says, Jamie firefighter slash weirdo 35. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Whenever Ryan the dog guy comes up on screen, it says Ryan slash island caretaker. What? <laughs> so that's his job? Island is in a small An piece island? of land in the yes. water, not the country. Island, island is caretaker. in I-S-L-A-N-D. Uh-huh. So... What I think is I have seen like competitions online before where like to encourage tourism to a certain place, uh, small holiday islands have been like, would you like to be the person who lives here for a year and like posts photos and and does stuff? Uh And then all these influencers apply because it's like a job where you don't have to do anything and you get free rent for a year. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm pretty sure that's what that means. Mm -hmm. You know, he lives on an island and 
posts photos of the island. But then I went to his Instagram and there's no photos of an island. There's just photos of him with dogs that he doesn't own. I don't understand what he does for a living. (laughs) That's basically what I'm trying to say. Dog island. (laughs) He's a dog lover slash island caretaker. (laughs) I like him even more now, i got to tell you. Oh, but he's boring. We'll get to it. Okay, so he gets the single date. Mm Mm-hmm. The single date is them doing, like, fire and rescue stuff. So mm. kind of like um, the training exercises that firefighters do, mm. like abseiling down buildings and putting a hose on a fire. That must have been really upsetting to Jamie to yeah, find out that they he's did a, a firefighter <laughs> challenge. and he's an- Because she turned up at the house in a fire truck. And Jamie's face was like, it's me. And then she was like, no, it's the dog guy. (laughs) Oh, 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 they did that on purpose. But also I don't think it could have been him because it was an official uh, like firefighting New South Wales fire and rescue fire truck. Mm. And he hasn't been part of the official New South Wales firefighting team for years because he left a while ago. So, yeah. So, um, (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. I think he does private firefighting, which I'm not sure what that, that's what he says. Mm. I don't know what that means. Um, so, yeah, she takes the dog private in the fire truck. Private firefighting. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be a euphemism for something. Right? Mm. Um, and, yeah, so they do all these, like, firefighting exercises and it's, like, the most boring date and it goes forever Mm. and I was like trying to figure out the point of it was and then they cut to them on a magic sex couch and I understood what was happening so he admits on the magic sex couch that he always wanted to be a firefighter but he couldn't because he has a heart condition that meant he wasn't allowed and I was like oh this entire date was a setup for him to tell his endearing sad story (laughs) so then she's like what do you mean And he's like, I've had two open heart surgeries because I have this genital, wait, genital? Congenital. Congenital. (laughs) (laughs) I have a genetic, genetic heart condition, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) You know what I mean? Um, and, um, And I've had these two surgeries and that's why I couldn't be a firefighter. And she's like, can I see the scars? And he's like, yes. And he rips open his shirt and he has all these really tacky tattoos um, and he has these scars from this heart surgery and she's like, oh, my God, like, he's really deep. <laughs> and she's like, I think it's obvious from them together in this date that he's going to win. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know whether or not she ends up with anyone. I still have my reservations about that, but I certainly think he will win the competition. Um and I think, you know, this was a, a chance for him to show that he's, like, deep and he's been through things. Mm-hmm. And so she spends, like, the rest of their date together being like, oh, my God, I can't believe how deep you are and I can't believe all the things you've been through. Mm-hmm. Um, still not sure if he's employed, but he's been through things. <laughs> um, and, you know, he does seem like the most normal and attractive of all of them. But he is also literally, besides maybe Carlin, the most boring of mm. all of them. Like, he is so boring. Mm. There is nothing to Ryan the dog guy except a handsome face and abs and 
dogs. Mm-hmm. Like that is literally it. Like they have no banter. He's not funny. All they really talk about is just her talking and him saying yes or no or and laughing at her jokes. And mm-hmm. it's that weird thing where like, Super hot people, I think, to seem like they're profound and deep, always say <laughs> things like, I don't, like, need to date an attractive person. I want to date, like, a like a nerdy dweeb. <laughs> like, I just want to date a funny person. That's totally what I want. But then they always end up with someone who's equally, if not more, hot than they are. Like, mm. that's just how it goes. And I think that's kind of what she's doing because she's gone on and on and on about how she wants to date a hot guy and they've chucked in all these weird kind of dweebs and weird funny people like mm-hmm. Kieran and Tim. But then literally by the end of this date, and even though this entire episode was all about how she needs a funny guy to the point where she made guys do stand-up, mm-hmm. by the end of the date with Ryan the dog guy, she's going, I don't think it really matters that he's not funny. Like, <laughs> I honestly think, you know what's great? That he's, like, the straight guy to my silly girl. Mm. Like, I think it's cool. Like, I'll be the dweeby funny one and he'll be, like, the normal one. Mm. And so basically what she's saying is I'm thinking with my minge and he has a super hot face and I want to pash it. Uh And she doesn't care that no funny jokes come out of that super hot face. Because she's just going to sit on it. Because she's got the minge twinge. <laughs> she's just going to sit on it. Why do jokes need to come out of his face if she's just sitting on it? <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to hear him. I'm just going to enjoy the vibrations <laughs> so they can be funny or not. And I've done this before. I mean, you've seen me date guys where I've been like, you know what? I'll be the funny one. Mm. I don't mind. Like I always go on and on and on about how I need to date a funny person but then a few times I've kind of I've come across a guy who is just so attractive that I've been like, it's cool. Like, I don't care that he doesn't get my TV references and I don't care that we don't have banter and and I don't care that I make a joke and he doesn't get it. Like, because he's we're different. Like we have different qualities. And it's like, what's his quality? His very attractive face and body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, there's nothing else there. And it always ends. And I honestly think that it will end. And she, they kiss and she gives him a rose, obviously. Mm. But I'm still convinced that she picks him in the end. And then a few weeks later, as has happened to me, so I get it. Mm-hmm. Once you've been stooping them for a while, then you're like, wait, now that I've fulfilled my minge twinge, mm-hmm. I've realized that. He kind of sucks and is boring and we have nothing to talk about and mm. I hate him. Mm. So I'm pretty sure that's what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Yeah, probably. I mean, I mean, you've dated some boys with very beautiful faces who had nothing underneath and it didn't last, my friend. Yeah, true. Sadly, none of them owned an island and I feel like <laughs> maybe he owns an island or his parents own an island. He, he must have rich parents. He absolutely does not own an island. I think it's like some social media hookup. Okay. Where some tourist PR company was like, you're hot and you like dogs and we do the PR for this island. Do you want to come and live on the island and post some photos? Uh-huh. I think that's what his job is. Imagine if his parents... And also, he can't be that integral to the island if he leaves it for six weeks to come and do the <laughs> bachelorette. I mean, who is taking care of the island? <laughs> he can't, like, it can't, you know, 
fall apart without him because he's not there. Yeah. Oh, look. No? I I just reckon his parents probably own like half of Tasmania or half of New Zealand or something and they're just like, oh, shit, we're going to have to give him a job. Uh, just call him Island Caretaker. <laughs> <laughs> look, he seems not very interesting. He's definitely not funny. He also seems not particularly intelligent. He seems just average intelligent. He just, he's not very smart. Mm. I really think that if I came across someone who was not very intelligent and had a great face and great abs and his parents owned half of Tasmania, I would also date him. Mm. So if that's the case, then Angie's just doing the smart thing. Mm -hmm. No? Yes. That's what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> There's but a, and a secret ingredient here that we're not hearing about. I really don't think his parents own half Tasmania, <laughs> to be honest. But anyway, he sucks. He's boring and I hate him. Um, <laughs> That's really strong. Is it though? You've not met him, but. But he's boring. Yeah. Yeah. He's not funny. Uh-huh. And he, not only is he not funny, he's not even interesting. He doesn't even say anything interesting. Like she's just literally cracking all the jokes and being really hilarious and pushing the conversation and he's just nodding and smiling and having a cute face. And I think because of her minge twinge right now, she's like, yes, this is perfect. We get along so great. But when they're alone for a few weeks, she's mm. going to be like, oh, he sucks. I hate him. He doesn't say anything. He's not interesting and he's not smart and he's the worst. Yeah, she'll get exhausted. Yep. I think so too because she's smart and funny and great and I think it's a mistake. Mm -hmm. And I've been there. I've been there, girl. Mm -hmm. I've, I've let my minge make the decisions and it's always a mistake. <laughs> it's always a mistake. <laughs> okay, cut to the cocktail party. So there's two notable notable things that happen at this cocktail party. The first is that Jamie is freaking the F out that he's going home because he hasn't had a single date yet. Uh -huh. And he keeps going on and on and on and on and on about the fact that on the very first night she gave him the first rose, which mm. I didn't even remember until he said it. But when he turned up dressed as a firefighter with a puppy, she was so overwhelmed that she gave him the first rose, uh -huh. which, like, I'm pretty sure the rose was for the puppy but he just keeps saying we're meant to be because she gave me the first rose mm -hmm. and she wouldn't have given me that rose unless we were going to end up together. And even though she's barely looked at me or talked to me or paid me any attention and has not given me a date and people have literally lapped me in the amount of dates that they've had, she gave me the first rose. So in my heart, I know that we're soulmates is basically where he's at. Ooh. And so he decides in this cocktail ceremony, in this cocktail party, that um, he needs to see her and talk to her because mm -hmm. he hasn't talked to her for a while. And so he pulls her aside and he's like, Angie, I've got you with his dead eyes. Angie, I've got you a present. Mm. And she's like, oh, okay. And so they go and sit on a couch away from everyone. And she opens it. And it's rainbow-coloured socks. Oh. And <laughs> and he gives her this really long, and she's like, oh, thank you. And he gives her this really long, bizarre explanation about how he remembered that last week when Evie, her best friend, uh, came on the date, mm -hmm. that Evie said that Angie doesn't really like her feet. So he thought he would buy her socks to cover her disgusting feet. <laughs> but then he realises... That 
the present he's given her is like saying that her feet need to be covered because they're gross. Uh-huh. And so then he starts like backtracking with like this really convoluted explanation that I will recite for you now because I wrote the whole thing down. Oh. And this is what he does. And she, bless her, because she understands what great television it is, doesn't interrupt. She just lets him keep talking and talking and talking and talking because uh. it's so great. So this is what he does. It's, it's, it's not about covering up your flaws, Angie. I think everything about you is beautiful. I think your feet are beautiful. You are beautiful. When you're having a really bad day and you go home that night and you put these socks on your feet, you go to sleep and the next day you wake up feeling the love and positivity in your heart. And because after every storm, there's a rainbow. And then he gestures to the rainbow songs. (laughs) I think he had the line... After every storm, there's a rainbow in his head and he just knew he had to hit that line at the end. (laughs) But what he said before that was Uh just nonsensical word vomit from a weirdo. Uh And so when he says that to her, he looks so proud. Like he finishes saying that and he looks so proud and it's very much like a little kid who like, just gave their mum a drawing that they worked really hard on and, like, they don't realise that it looks like a weird deformed penis and their (laughs) mum, like, has to pretend to really love it and not notice that it awkwardly looks like a weird deformed penis. Do you know what I mean? It's like one of those weird situations. Mm. And and she literally says to him, oh, bless your heart. You put a lot of thought into that, didn't you? (laughs) (laughs) which is exactly what a mum would say when her kid gives her a drawing that accidentally looks like a weird deformed penis. And he, when she goes, you put a lot of thought of that into, a lot of thought into that, didn't you? He goes, yeah, I did. So he doesn't even realise that he's being patronised. He thinks that they're having a sincere romantic connection. And then she reaches over pats him on the <gasps> shoulder. <laughs> and, then, and then at this point I was like, I cannot believe the producers were so stupid not to have included him on the date where they all had to do stand-up <laughs> because his stand-up would have been the best thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh. And so she pats him on the shoulder and then um, he goes to hug her and she kind of avoids it and kind of kisses him on the cheek and then he gets up and walks away and in a talking head he is like, I'm good, I'm golden, we're meant to be, like I nailed that, like... Mm. I know we haven't had a date, but, like, I can tell from, like, what I just did with the socks. Oh. It's it's all happening. We're fine. So he feels fine. <laughs> uh-huh. He's scary. So Jamie feels great about that. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else in the country does, mm. but he does. So <laughs> excellent. Um, the next notable thing at this cocktail party is that 
everybody gets mad that Ryan, the dog guy who had a single date with her, then goes to have another private chat with her, mm. which is like from what you've learned from Bachelor things I've told you at this point is like jumping in the queue at a cocktail party is the worst possible thing you can do. Mm-hmm. Like forget war crimes, forget genocide. You push in at a cocktail party, mm. you are the devil. Mm. So Ryan goes to talk to her and all the dudes are like, how very dare you? And he comes back and they all go off at him and they're all like, you broke the bro code and there's a bro code mm. and we all only talk to her if, like, we all agree on it. And he does a very Abby-esque thing and yeah. he says, you know what, bro code, whatever, like, mm. this show is The Bachelorette and mm. I like her and I'm going to take any chance I can to talk to her and I'm not really here to make friends with you guys. I'm here to see if I can have a relationship with her uh-huh. and they're all like how dare you and whatever and they all get mad and not effing surprisingly i went on twitter to check what the uh reaction to that was and besides everybody saying that they don't really like him because he was boring nobody was bothered by the fact that he did that like when abby did that do you remember when she was like yeah. i'm not here to make friends i just want to see him and everybody was like she's a calculating bitch how dare she she's the worst yeah. when ryan the dog guy did it I went on Twitter and people were like, he just really likes her and it's really admirable that he's, you know, not going to put up with crap and he's just going to see her and be there for her and that's what he wants to do. So just going to say the words again, gender dynamics. Love you, Abby, now and forever and always. What's she up to? Um, she's just being awesome. She's dating some guy who was on some other Bachelor season um, and there's lots of photos of them pashing at the beach. And she's also just doing the media rounds um, and talking about the effed gender dynamics of the show and talking about feminism and Mm. talking about how unfair it was that she was portrayed so badly just for being in touch with her sexuality and she's... Just being awesome and smart and brilliant and everyone loves her and I love her and she's got a massive, awesome career ahead of her and mm. she's the best. What about the rest of them? Does the world still care or are they just No, gone? no one cares. Okay. <laughs> no one cares. I forget who even won. Who cares? Bad batch um, of shit cake. Was her, oh, right? N- Should have been. <laughs> 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 love bad batch of shit cake. <laughs> love her to death. Um. Yeah, so then um, we cut to rose ceremony. She gives Jamie the first rose, which, as I've explained to you before, is a massive honour. And I think she did this because the producers told her to because him getting the first rose is just the next level of, like, inch he needed to take it a mile. Like, Uh it's just the thing he needed to feel like, I'm not wrong about this connection, she loves me, and we're meant to be together. So uh-huh. getting the first rose has taken his stage five clinger to like stage 11 clinger. So it was such a smart move oh. um, by the show. <laughs> I feel like they're playing a dangerous game. That's what I think too, mm. because I've, as I've said before, like women stalkers on this kind of thing is funny, but dude stalkers ends in violence <laughs> and prison. Um 
three guys go. They cut three guys mm-hmm. because they're not messing around and we've got to end in two weeks or else mm-hmm. you and I are going to get the shits. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I don't really know who any of them are. Mm-hmm. There's nobody notable. Like, I think they were literally three guys who were part of the montage on the red carpet night. So that's how unimportant they were. Like, mm-hmm. and that's that. Okay. That was Wednesday. <laughs> How are you feeling? Great. Yep. Socks. <laughs> socks. Rainbow, Rainbow socks. socks. Do you think she still has them? I really hope not. Yeah. They needed to be ceremonially burnt. What would you do if a guy said to you, I've heard that you have hideous feet, so I've bought you a gift to cover them up? <laughs> um, he wouldn't be wrong. I do have hideous feet. Oh, I really. Oh, they're exceptionally bad. Yeah, I mean, all feet hideous, but mine are truly, truly foul. And yet, I hate wearing shoes. I do not like to cover them up. I just avoid eye contact with them. Okay, so we still like um, Manchester dude. Okay, literally, this season is so boring that I can only remember a few names: Manchester dude, who is Kieran, Mm -hmm. Um, dog guy. I mean, I don't remember their actual names, Ryan, but you know what I'm yeah. saying. Mm-hmm. Manchester dude, Kieran, dog guy, boring. Mm-hmm. Um, Carlin, um, also boring. Mm-hmm. Um, Frothier, oh. Tim with two M's, <laughs> and Jamie, the stage eleven clinger, who's going to get arrested. Uh huh. They're the only ones I can. Are they the only ones left now? No, there's oh. many more left. <laughs> but they're the only ones who are interesting. <laughs> Thursday night, Thursday night. Mm-hmm. This is what I just watched, okay? Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like everybody should know that we literally are in the studio till like 11 p.m. on Thursday nights doing this. Mm-hmm. That's how committed we are to bringing you the latest Bachelor news. Mm-hmm. Um. Thursday opens with a post-rose ceremony chat, which you always know they do when they don't have A, money, and B, uh, anything interesting happening because (laughs) it means that, like, the guys all have their makeup on and they've just filmed the rose ceremony and they're like, you can't go to bed because we're going to take advantage of this moment and film some shit. Mm -hmm. And so they're all sitting in the living room at, like, 3 a.m., and a date card comes. Osha brings it and he's like, I'm done with this. I just had a baby. See ya. (laughs) Um, I'm making money off um, Masked Singer now. Um, what? He, oh, the Masked Singer is the best show ever. We'll talk. Um, and so he drops the date card off and it's a single date and Jamie wants it super bad. Uh-huh. So Jamie's like, she gave me the first rose on the first night. Mm. And then last night she gave me the first rose at the rose ceremony. And so that means that she's in love with me. And because I'm in love with her and I've been raised to think that women have no agency and if I love a woman, it means that she must be mine, Mm. um, that she'll give me this date and we'll get married and we'll be together forever. Mm -hmm. No. The single date goes to Kieran from Manchester. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which... Jamie's Devo, and so is everyone else because Kieran's already had like a couple of alone times with her, so she clearly likes him to give him this. Um, And Jamie basically says in a talking head, Kieran took that opportunity from me. I'm being overlooked. And then he looks dead into the camera and says, I need to be intimate with Angie. 
This season is going to end with a restraining order. It is. Have you ever said that sentence in your entire life? Like I was watching this episode with Dino and I was like, I don't think I've ever said in my entire life, I need to be intimate with X person. <laughs> like I don't even, I don't, I, I don't even know if I've said the word intimate just in conversation. Who says that? Only Jacob. if you're using it as a euphemism for like lingerie and Jacob, you're talking I have about the cr- intimates department yes, at right. Maya. Jacob, I have a crush on a boy and I'm desperate to be intimate with him. <laughs> oh, it's so icky. It's like saying moist. <laughs> it's like saying moist or lover. Or Who says froth-ya. lover? Or frothia. So anyway, Jamie's disgusting. I think we've established. Mm. <laughs> um, so we cut to the single date with Kieran and he um, is on Shark Island. You know that cool island um, in Sydney Harbour that kind of overlooks the bridge? Mm. Anyway, um, and um, they, you know, you think they're going to have like this big glamorous date and then she turns up in and tell me if you know what this is. You know the shark boat? So when you're at Darling Harbour or Circular Quay, <laughs> And there's this tourist attraction. It's a red boat that has shark teeth on it. And it's basically just a boat that goes really fast through Sydney Harbour and you pay like 11 bucks to get on it. And nobody who lives in Sydney ever goes on it. Like it's literally always just filled with Chinese tourists. Mm -hmm. And she turns up to meet him on the shark boat. And so <laughs> every time you say it, I have such a strong impulse when you say shark boat to go hoo ha because I've seen Finding Nemo <laughs> yes, so many exactly. times. <laughs> shark boat, hoo ha So she turns up on the shark boat, <laughs> and um, which is literally an eleven dollar tourist attraction in Sydney for anybody who lives here. Um, so that's. That's all you need to know about where the budget's at on The Bachelor right now. And they just go around Sydney Harbour in the shark boat. Um, It's just a boat that goes very fast and gets you a bit wet. Mm. Um, He has to put on a red plastic poncho, at which point it's established that the reason she wants to go on the shark boat is because he is, you know, like quite... uh, he embraces the feminine side of his Mm. personality and he cares about how he looks. And, of course, Channel 10 can't just let, like, a very different kind of man be on their network, a kind of man that they've never had on their network before, a kind of man who ignores traditional notions of masculinity. Mm. They can't let a man like that on their network without making fun of him Mm. while playing goofy music while they mess up his hair. Mm. So that's pretty much what they do here. The entire date is just playing goofy music while Kieran gets very uncomfortable about the fact that he's getting messed up and he's in a physical kind of date that he's not comfortable with. So they put him in this ugly poncho and, um, you know, he has his hair in a top knot but it's getting wet and he's worried about his blow dry. And <laughs> and then he and then Angie says, oh, are you worried about um, your clothes being wet? And he says, oh, no, because I brought an entire suitcase on this date. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> and so then they drive a fancy car to a magic sex couch somewhere else. And she says she wants to ask him serious questions because he's really funny and he's a show pony, but she wants to know if there's a serious side to him. Mm. And he's like, yes, I had a bad childhood and... 
and my family were poor and we lived in council housing and I was like, who didn't? And um, <laughs> and he's like, I went to 10 schools by the time I was in year six and I was like, try 25. <laughs> and um, <laughs> But, you know, the point is he had a difficult childhood and he admits it to her, so they have this serious conversation. Um, and then he says the reason he likes fancy things now and the reason he indulges himself and the reason he um, embraces the kind of side of himself that wants to look good and, and buy things and feel polished and fancy is because he never had that stuff when he was a kid. He never had access to that kind of thing. And now that he can afford to do that for himself, he does it. And I was like, um, hello, Rosie's Polly Pocket collection. <laughs> like, I totally get that. I mean, I literally have a sickness where I spend obscene amounts of money on toys from the 80s because they're the things I couldn't have when I was a kid. Uh, so I get him. I think that's sweet. And I like that he admitted it. Uh-huh. Um, what do you see yourself doing with those things long term? Like, are you planning to auction them off? or? I don't understand what you mean. Uh, okay. What do I need to do with them but play with them and have them sitting on a shelf where I can see them? You're giving me shades of Jamie right now. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What will I do with them? Dead I will eyes. own I will own them and love them and acquire them more and more and more <laughs> until I own them all. What do you think I'll do with them? Substitute for children. Got it. Understood. My poly pockets. Yeah. But back to Kieran, who I understand, his fanciness, because I get it. Mm -hmm. You buy the things now that you couldn't then. Makes you feel a control in your life that in a way that you weren't when you were a kid. I totally get it. Mm -hmm. um, and she gets it too. She likes it. She's like, yes, you proved your seriousness enough to me. Mm -hmm. um, and so she kisses him and gives him a rose and that happens. Cut to group date. And this group date is with Everyone. She turns up to the polygamy prison and they're all like, what fancy place are we going to? And she's like, nowhere. We're staying here. And then she's like, some special guests are coming. Mm. And guess who it is? Because we're running out of time and money. And even though it's only week three, this week's special guests are her parents. Oh. Which normally don't come until like the second last episode, but that's how dire things are. Mm -hmm. So Jamie immediately says, He's not worried because on the first night of the first episode, he got the first rose, which means there's something very special between them. And then at last night's rose ceremony, she also gave him the first rose. So he's just like, I'm good to go. And when I meet her mum and dad, they'll know I'm good to go because clearly we're meant to be and I'm definitely not going to get arrested at the end of this. Mm -hmm. Her parents are like the quintessential the castle parents, mm. like Literally, that is her mum and dad are like, what's this? Sponge cake. Oh, it's great. Thanks. That is her parents. And I love them so much. They really just care about her so much and just want her to find a nice guy and they're doing the best they can with all this reality TV glamour. Do they have a pet name for her? Um, No, no. actually. Not that I noticed. Mm. Um, so, uh, because we don't have time or budget, they decide that both her parents can't meet all the guys. So they split the guys into two groups and one group will go with her dad and the other group will go with her and her mum. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the 
group that goes with her dad have to play a game called Truth or Pass, where her dad asks them questions and they can either answer the question truthfully or if they don't want to answer it, they say pass. Uh And then the other group goes with her and her mom where they just eat lunch and talk. (laughs) So that's where we're at. And Jamie is like taking it really seriously and he looks into the camera and says, these are going to be my parents in the future. Oh. I need to do this right. Oh. So Jamie's like into it. So, um... Basically, um, the dad plays this game with them and the first question goes to um, Frothia, Tim, and Tim in a talking head is like, I'm great with parents, eh? I'm really great. Parents love me, eh? And then the dad asks him a question (laughs) and he kind of like bounces around on both feet like he usually does and acts like, you know, that 3 a.m. club boy Mm -hmm. um, and just the dad kind of looks at him like, you are literally the kind of guy who would F my daughter in a bathroom (laughs) at 5 a.m. while you're off your face. Um, And then um, he, they cut to Kieran and the dad asked Kieran if he's ever been naked in public, which is a total stitch up because, Mm. yes, he has. He was naked last week. (laughs) And Kieran says, yeah. Uh, not only have I been public in na- uh, naked in public, I've been naked in front of your daughter. And then he tells the story <laughs> about what happened and the dad does not like it. The dad doesn't laugh. He doesn't think it's impressive. He's like, you're the worst. Um, then the dad says to Carlin, the boring James Bond dude, um, is there anyone you think Angie should steer clear of? And Carlin says, and all the other guys say in unison, yes, Jamie, he's scary. We're all scared of him. He's going to get arrested. He's the kind of guy who would text her every 10 minutes asking her who she's with, what she's wearing, what she's doing. We're, in fact, very worried about the fact that he's still here. For real? Yes. Wow. And they cut that because the editors are fucking chef's kiss geniuses. They cut that with footage of Jamie talking to Angie's (laughs) mum and he is so intense and he's looking like deeply into Angie's mum's eyes and he's like, we're so meant to be, like, I just feel something on a level with her. Like, we have an energy that matches. Like, I, I've never met anyone like her in my life and I don't think there's anyone else in the house who has a connection with her like I do. Like, Angie and I, it's just like the universe has brought us together and I think, you know, like, at the end of this, we're going to end up together and I'm going to be eating with you on Boxing Day and this is going to be a lifetime oh. thing. And then <laughs> Angie's mum goes, oh, so have you been on a date? And he goes, no. But she gave me the first rose. <laughs> and Angie's mum goes, oh. okay, um, well, thanks for the chat. <laughs> and just kind of ends it. And it's so awkward. Oh, um, no. It's awkward and scary and weird. Yeah. And then they cut back to the dad talking to the guys. And the dad asks another question and he says, um, who in the mansion would you say you can't trust? And they all in unison, of course, say Ryan, the dog guy. Mm. And the dad's like, why? And they all go, because he came in after us and he talked to her on Instagram once and that means we hate him. And the dad's like, eh. Um, And so then um, they cut to Ryan talking to... Um, her mum, mm. and it's the complete opposite of Jamie. Like, Ryan totally charms her. She loves him. 
it's obvious they're going to end up together. Boring. Mm -hmm. So then they cut to her and she says to all the guys, okay, I'm going to pull my parents aside now and get all the goss and Mm -hmm. the stuff you did. Um, And so here's what they think of the main players because nobody else matters. Uh On Carlin, the mum says he's the one to settle down with Mm -hmm. because I think he has a perfect symmetrical face. Mm -hmm. And surprisingly, her dad also says, yes, he's the one to settle down with. And her dad says... While I think Carlin is the one you should settle down with, Kieran is the one you would only have fun with. Uh-huh. And he goes, Kieran is the one you'll travel with until you're 40 and then think about getting serious and realize it's too late. <laughs> oh. It's quite a hard oh. thing to say. Oh. How old um, is she, by the way? She's 29. Okay. And Kieran's 25, so she's only four years older than him. It's not a huge amount. No, not at all. And it um, sounds like a really fun decade. Um, and then Frothia, Tim, the dad says, oh, he'd drive you f***ing mad after a while. <laughs> he goes, he's too much. <laughs> and the mum agrees and says he's definitely not ready to settle down. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, the dog guy, the mum says, I really liked him. He's perfect for you. I think he's the one. Uh-huh. And the dad says, all the guys said that they don't trust him. Um, but Angie is like, I think they all just said that because they're jealous. And so it's like, yep, okay, he's going to win. And then on Jamie, the dad said, all the guys said to steer clear. They were all very nervous about him. And then the mum said, yes, I had a conversation with him. He was far too intense. He also made me nervous. I don't think he's right. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) So Jamie is like literally making everybody he comes into contact with Physically uncomfortable. Uh Cut to the cocktail party. Uh Um, And all the guys, and I think because the producers told them to, they all tell Jamie, oh, yeah, on that date, the dad asked us who we should, uh, who we think uh, Angie should steer clear of, and we all said you. And Jamie's like, what? What Uh do you mean? What's happening with his dead eyes? And they're all like, well, you know, like, you're kind of needy, dude, and, like, you're a bit much and, you know, you're a bit obsessive. And and when the dad asked us, we had to be honest. So we just said, like, you wouldn't be a good partner for her. And that basically makes Jamie lose his effing mind. And he's like, no, I'm not needy. I need to talk to Angie immediately. I'm not needy at all. And by proving that I'm not needy, I will need her right now. And so then he runs over (laughs) to her. She hasn't even finished walking down the stairs to get into the party. And he, like, basically grabs her and pulls her aside. I'm really nervous. I'm picking my nails. (laughs) I know. It it is. And it's... uh, I will say, like, of the producers, they put him in there knowing that he was weird and creepy and obsessive and they've clearly encouraged her to keep him week after week because Mm. there's no way she wanted to keep him. And it's like... (sighs) It's the same as when they had that guy from Noosa who was really toxic and gross and was saying really gross things and it's like... They kept him in there just because it was a great storyline and it Mm. gave her a chance to have a feminist rant at someone. And it's like, is that really worth it, though, to allow that kind of toxic, gross behaviour on television just Mm. for entertainment's sake? And I feel like that's what's happening here with Jamie. Like, he's clearly a bit deranged. He's clearly a bit gross. He's clearly kind of scary. Mm. And 
they're keeping him in and encouraging him to be continue being scary and clingy and obsessive because it's entertaining, but it's like not healthy. Yeah. Yeah. It's off-putting and makes me nervous. Yeah. To watch. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it feels really uncomfortable. Do you agree? Very much. And you haven't even watched it. This is just me explaining it to you and you feel uncomfortable. Like, Yeah, basically every time you've spoken about him, it's made me feel a little bit gross. Yeah. Um, Mm. Anyway, so So, what happens? So he pulls her aside um, and they literally, like they always do with the soundtrack, they they play literal crickets while he's talking. Mm-hmm. Just because uh, what, like, doesn't set off someone who's a bit deranged more than making them look like an idiot, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, watching <laughs> this is going to be setting him off. Yeah. Um, and so she says to him, why did everybody say that I should avoid you? And he said, and she says, are you too needy? Like, are you a stage five, five clinger? Is that true, what they were saying? And he says, yeah, look... I kind of am, but I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, being that devoted to a woman. And then he says the thing that if you ever hear a guy say it, you should avoid him times one million. He looks at her and says, I think the problem is I'm too much of a good guy. Um. And she she looks Um. at him. And you can tell she's so uncomfortable and she just wants to be away from him. Yeah. And it's like, warning, warning, red flag, warning, warning, warning. If a guy ever says to you, I'm too much of a good guy that the universe is out to get me or I'm too much of a good guy that you don't understand how great I am or I'm too much of a good guy that, you know, you could never understand the amazing things I'm doing for you, that guy is a toxic guy. Yeah. Any guy who feels the need to reiterate to you that he's a good guy yeah. is almost certainly not a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that about pretty much anything that anyone ever tells you about yeah. themselves, especially if it's completely out of the blue and really voluntary. Like anytime anyone tells me, I'm just really honest, I know straight away, okay, so you're a liar. Yeah. <laughs> Right? Exactly. (laughs) If they're trying really hard to convince you of something about themselves by telling it to you rather than demonstrating it to you, it's probably a fabrication. Exactly. And also what's scary is a huge part of incel culture is dudes saying, I'm such a good guy Mm. that women don't realise how amazing I am and that's why they don't want to sleep with me and the universe is really unfair and that's why I'm going to go shoot up a high school. You know what I mean? Like this is where this kind of toxic um, resentment starts. Mm. It's icky and gross and she totally sees it. Mm. Um, This is all getting dark. But this is what they're doing. Like this is what they're doing. Um, and this is why Channel 10 hates me, because I say this stuff. <laughs> um, and so um, he basically almost starts crying in a talking head and he says, I came into this process and I haven't changed. Like, all of these guys are fakes, but I've been myself the whole time. But from the second I got here, I've said I'm here for love and I'm here for Angie and all I want is Angie and I haven't changed a bit and I'm a good guy and why doesn't anyone see I'm a good guy? And I was like, well, it's true. You haven't changed from day one because you've been creepy and effed from day one. Like, 
you're a weirdo. Points for consistency. And so anyway, then he says to her, look, maybe I do need a reality check sometimes, but I'm just so devoted to, you know, like the people that I love and I'm just such a good guy. And then he goes, and, you know, like of the 10 guys that are here, like I would say there's probably three guys who are genuine and one of those is me. And then she pulls him up and she goes, back up a sec. Okay, well, of those three guys who are genuine, one of whom is you, who are the other ones who you say are genuine? Like, why would you say that? And he goes, oh, I don't want to say, I shouldn't say. And she's like, no, say. Mm. Like, you don't bring something like that up unless Mm. you have the, you know, what you want to say to back it up. And he's like, no, I can't, I can't say it. You're putting me in a really hard situation. And she goes, no, you put yourself in the situation because Mm. you said there's only three guys who are genuine and I'm asking you who they are, so who are they? And he's like, you can't ask me that. And she's like, oh, my God, you suck so much. And then right when she's sitting there looking very uncomfortable and exasperated, who who comes over, who notices how uncomfortable she is and that she needs saving, who comes over and says, Angie, can I have a conversation with you? And takes her away. Kieran from Manchester. For a little second there, I thought you were going to say Abby. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. In my dreams, Abby would float in in some sexy ass lingerie because she always wants to show off her hot bod and she'd float down and just take Angie away. (gasps) But second best, Kieran. I know. Also, you just like... I'm just kind of speechless because I didn't even think of that scenario. Now I'm like, oh my God, that would be amazing. (laughs) Second best, Kieran. Uh Kieran comes in and of course he's wearing a floral suit that is half hot pink and half white. Mm. (laughs) I love him so much. And he comes in and he basically says like, Angie, um, you know, I'd really like to have a chat with you. Can I please take you away? And uh, Angie just looks at him like, yes, please get me the F out of here. And so Mm. Jamie stands up and in front of her says, I'm really not happy with how that conversation went. And then I think I'm not sure what happened next because it was so awkward that the editors don't even show it. They just cut away. (laughs) And then they cut to a talking head where Jamie's like, I think I ballsed up that conversation. I don't think I did that well. I'm really not happy with how that conversation went. And then they cut to Jamie walking away from the conversation. And so she's sitting there with Kieran, like, thank God for saving me. And as Jamie walks away, he says, I'm not going to get an effing rose. I can't believe the other guys in this house ruined my connection with Angie. And then he storms off. Oh, shit. I know. The worst thing about a guy who is clueless and toxic is a guy who is clueless and toxic and also has no accountability for his own behaviour. And that's him. He's blaming everyone else for the fact that he's creepy and she doesn't like him. Mm. So, cut to the rose ceremony. And at this point, I turned to Dino and I was like, there is absolutely no way he's staying now because they've literally highlighted that he's toxic and scary and that he makes not only her uncomfortable but everybody in the house uncomfortable and her parents uncomfortable so, like, this is the perfect setup for her to send him home. Yes? Like. Yes, but what you're describing now seems like the perfect setup to shock me when he does get a rose. 
See, sometimes I think, can Channel 10 stoop that low? I don't think so. Stop it. But then, so, Osha comes in and is like, one guy's going. So there's 10 of them, which means at the end of the night, there'll be nine. (sighs) Jamie stays. Jamie gets the very last rose. And some random guy called Glenn, who is incredibly handsome, uh, gets kicked out. Um, I've never seen him before. (laughs) I was like, where did you come from? So Glenn goes and I can't decide if this makes me like Angie more or not because clearly she understands what makes good television. She's in the industry. The producers told her, you've got to keep Jamie in because nothing much interesting is happening and he is effed and we're Mm. getting gold out of how weird he is. And so she did what the producers told her, even though it's quite clear he's gross and makes her and everyone else uncomfortable. Yeah. So Jamie stays. Uh, what, how does he react? Is he he ha- reacts like, of course I got the rose. We're meant to be. She oh. gave me the first rose on the first night and she gave me the first rose last night. And then he even says... I knew I would get a rose because I did so well with her parents today. Oh. <laughs> it's fun. It's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah. It's creepy. Yeah. And I don't like that they're making entertainment out of quite a toxic, creepy situation. Yeah. Um, it's quite Joker-esque. You know how people are having a big hissy fit about the new Joker movie coming out and about how it glorifies dudes who feel like they're hard done by in the world so then they go shoot up a school. Um, I saw the movie and I didn't have a huge problem with it except um, that I thought it was not a great movie. But um, I think they're kind of doing the same thing, like taking advantage of that concept for entertainment. Like here is a guy who feels hard done by and feels um, like he's a good guy and he's not getting the recognition slash women mm. he deserves. Mm. And um, we know that he's creepy and entitled and misogynistic and scary, but we're going to chuck him in there anyway because it's good to watch. Mm. No, yuck, gross. Yeah, do not like. Do not like. And I'm sure one day you'll do a bit of a... Um, a gender dynamics debrief <laughs> on why it was... Uh, okay with the stage five pube stealer Emma in The Bachelor. Well, yeah, because that never... it's so much more problematic here. And I know that I joke like, oh, when a woman does it, it's funny, and when a man does it, it's scary. Um, But, I mean, to go slightly deeper into that, Emma never did anything that was hugely problematic. She was Mm. just a girl with a big crush, Mm. like, and never made people uncomfortable and never said or did anything that was overly... uh, obtrusive or entitled it was just like she likes him and she's you know getting a bit carried away fantasizing their future together mm. this guy actually is scary and 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 weird and and i don't know i just mm. it's not it it feels different it feels icky and it feels like it shouldn't be entertainment yeah oh, okay so lots of problematic things We've spoken about tonight, <laughs> and I feel like there's more to come. I'm, I'm scratching my note. neck because I feel like I need a shower once so, again. At this point, who do you think uh, will win in what is hopefully two weeks from now? Ooh. So her parents both endorsed Karl Lagerfeld. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. That so is that's correct. a good tick for him. And they also endorsed Ryan. The dog the guy. The island yep. caretaker. Yeah, oh, the island caretaker. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. So I feel like it's therefore down to both of them. Mm-hmm. Um, although I really do think that even if it is only 10 years, she's going to have with um, Kieran traveling around the world and having yeah. a laugh, like that's going to be worth it. Like I think my prediction is the top four will be Frothia, Kieran, Carlin, Carl Lagerfeld and Dog Guy. And I think um, Frothia will go first. Uh-huh. Then Carlin will go. Uh-huh. And then it'll come down to the final two will be Kieran and Dog Guy because yeah. they're kind of polar opposites. So it's like the clean cut, uh-huh. handsome guy that your parents love versus the kind of oddball, weird, funny, mm. not so serious guy. And I think Kieran will go, will be the runner up and Dog Guy will win. And then uh-huh. I think the second he wins, that night it will be announced that they're not doing any press because they've since broken up because she realised she was thinking with her minge and he's actually not funny or smart or interesting <laughs> and she made a huge mistake. Okay. All right. So that's that's your bet. Yeah. And do people bet on this? Yeah, you can. Ah. Yeah, okay. you can bet. Cool. All right. It'd be interesting to compare your predictions against the official odds on what it is. I reckon I'd be pretty spot on at this point. Yeah. Because this season's not interesting. It's quite predictable and boring and I don't know. I just, she deserved better. There's not enough good guy. Like there is literally like no guys I would really want to date myself. Mm. Maybe Kieran. And then like there's that other cute guy, Ryan, who never says anything and I'm sure he'll go soon. And they're literally the only two. And I really liked Naranga, but he went. And so like she's just literally been handed a bunch of duds. Mm. Ah, well, um, here we are talking about it. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Week after week after week. And my friends have got some group chat that I'm in that keeps going on and on and on about what's going on in The Bachelor and I just have to keep muting, muting, muting. Yes, you're not not allowed to look at any of that. Spoilers, no, 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 no. Spoilers, spoilers, spoilers. People care about this stuff. They do. They truly do. Australia is watching. How do you think I made my career? I know. And it's always. (laughs) Until I was like, I'm done with this. Get me out. (laughs) I never quite understood why so many people read your recaps. Oh, thank you, supportive friend. Darling, they were funny. But when you're lacking context, like I was, it was. You know, hard to find the drive to really. Hey, know, man, it got me a book deal. Pay attention. Hey, no shade. I know. Yeah. So, love all of y'all. Um, and if you have suggestions for the non bachelor theme, just the gist, please mm. let us know. And um, also, loving all your comments about how Jacob's voice is sexy and sultry and amazing, and no comments about my nasally (laughs) (laughs) monstrosity. (laughs) Let me just say I'm noticing that I'm not getting any compliments, (laughs) all right? (laughs) Thank you for your honesty, everybody. All right. Love you all. Love you. Okay. Bye. Bye.